I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the one and only Sports Scab with Daryl and the Chode. Uh, I'm Daryl, <laughs> and I got a couple Chodes with me tonight. Uh, Stu, hi, Stu. Make America horny again. <laughs> and John. Hey, guys. How's, how's it going? There you go. You screwed up your own intro. Um, <laughs> we hope that <laughs> those are hard so words over to say. It's yeah. so over for me. Uh, we hope Clarence will be joining us soon. Uh, we're going to start out the Sports Scab with Daryl and the Chode, as we always do. Who won that debate, guys? What do you think? Debate recap. Let's do it. Um, uh, Anthony Rizzo, I think, won the debate. And uh, <laughs> maybe uh, Addison Russell, too. I Good. think those two are the w- clear winners of the debate. Yes, thank you. Perfect. Uh, we want st- to In other baseball news, John Lackey, standing on the mound, just let, let the first two hitters of the fifth inning get on. And Joe Madden came out to get the baseball, and the camera zoomed up in real close on John oh, yeah. Lackey's face, like filling your 75-inch HGTV of nothing but John Lackey's head. And he said, and I'm quoting here, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> in a really important there. game with two guys on, he just yep. can't believe you'd ever dare to take him out of uh, yeah. fifth inning. So I think John Lackey won that debate is what I'm saying. John Lackey is one of those guys where everybody's statement about him is, you know, if he's on your team, you love him. Otherwise, you hate him. I feel like I he's one of those like guys where... If he's where... on your team, you hate him. <laughs> you hate him. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And if he's not on your team, you really hate him. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that they screwed up a double play in the first inning, and he just screamed at the second baseman something about, are you fucking kidding me? Or, are you... Something like that. Same deal. Uh, just through an absolute tantrum. Let's go. What's wrong with you? Something. Something Clarence-esque, I would say. So, uh, eat shit, John Lackey. I think that's all we had for this week. Should we wrap it up? <laughs> While we're on the Cubs, I think we wanted to give a quick shout-out to one Frank Kaminsky um, for wearing, and you guys, correct me if I'm wrong here, he wore a Steve Bartman jersey to Wrigley. To troll Cubs fans. Is that right? Because, he, yeah, he's a White Sox fan. He, and he hates, just the Cubs. hates the Cubs so much that he got a Bartman jersey made specifically to troll Cubs fans and wore it to a playoff game at Wrigley Field. We respect, you know, I think the word troll gets thrown around a little bit too much. A lot of times mm-hmm. when people say troll, what they actually mean is like a, an abusive person, like an illegitimate, terrible. To me, trolling should be a little bit more lighthearted. That, to me, is a 
a beautiful troll job. Like one it of really the best. Is. It Just really it hits them like right where they live. And it's there's it's no, innocent. There's no comeback for it. Yeah, it's it's just perfect. It's not going to harm anybody, but it will it will ruin nights of over emotional people, and that to yep. me is just mwah, like such a sweet spot. Uh, brilliant, um, John. You had asked before we uh, before we hit record if there is any way to top that with a jersey, and I've been thinking about it, and I am absolutely coming up empty. I don't know if you can beat. Because I don't know if there's a fan base that needs to be trolled like the Cubs and can be done so perfectly. Because, you know, you could probably troll like the Seahawks with that Malcolm Butler guy because that was a bad thing. But they just won the year before, so they're probably like, yeah, you know, that sucked. There's nobody as tortured as Cubs fans for as long and have one specific person they hate. Am I missing anything? Yeah, I, I, man, um... I was thinking maybe going to like Ralph Engelstad Arena in Grand Forks and one of Ralph's old um, "quote unquote" German Army outfits. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've seen the polling out of North Dakota, and you would fit right in. I don't think there would be any issues you'd at be, all. They, you'd be welcomed as a hero. Be, well, yeah, <laughs> just like you like going to Lambo in a Chimura jersey and a fake hot tub around you, and, and now you know, all, all that would do would be triggering his victims. <laughs> <laughs> it would just, They'd be saying, hell yeah, those miners were asking for it by being underage. Just just walk into Lambo holding a laundry basket with a Najee Davenport jersey. I love that It's not going to affect them. I think maybe the one thing you could do, I know you had mentioned the Malcolm Butler thing, Brad, and I think walking into um, Oracle Arena um, where Golden State plays as a 3-1 lead, I think that might be good. If you can figure out a way to make a 3-1 lead costume, (laughs) I think that one would really sting. Uh, that's all I that's all I got so yeah you know the unfortunate thing is the the worst fan bases and we've come to a consensus long ago are the Packers and the St. Louis Cardinals yeah yes easily there's nothing so so to me John when you asked the first thing I came to was like I want to make sure that's who I want to focus on for a fan base how can you, you how can you disgust and disturb those fan bases but it's a reason that they're so annoying is because they have been successful fairly recently. So there's, they're not as, again, they're not as tortured as a fan base. I don't really think well, there's anything that the could... reason they're annoying is because they think they're so awesome. Yep. Like, Oh yeah, we're the best fans in baseball. No. Well, no, they think that not. they're part of the team. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because they've won titles and that means they're good fans and vice versa. Yeah. yeah. I think that uh, if your team hasn't won a title, it's your fault. You specifically. <laughs> <laughs> you say that jokingly, but I you genuinely feel like I had a hand in every Minnesota loss <laughs> for years and years. Are you are you legitimately, John? I don't know if we've discussed this. Are you a legitimately superstitious fan? Like a, a like watching games? Are you superstitious while you watch? No, I'm not. Like I have to sit in the same place in the room, mm-hmm. or I can't leave uh, if something is happening. The the only example I have of that is. I think I've told this story on the podcast before. One of my good friends um, was in the middle of just a hellish week where he had to drive all over the state. Then he had to drive to Chicago for this test. And on his way back through town, he was living in, he was living in Brainerd at the time. On his way back through town, he stopped in to have dinner with a couple of people, a couple of us. And he's just exhausted. He's had the longest week ever. He still has two and a half hours of drive that night. So he comes for dinner and then he comes over to the house to have a beer and 
about the fifth, we're sitting around watching the Twins, and after about five innings, Francisco Liriano hasn't given up a hit, but he's walked like 12 guys already. Or we told him, no, you can't leave. No hitter. You can't leave during a no hitter. So he rooted openly and loudly for the White Sox to get a hit for the rest of the game as Liriano threw his no hitter <laughs> just so he could leave and go home. That's really the only superstition story I have. I still feel terrible about that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I also have no superstition as yeah. a fan. Uh, you know, that's probably not surprising. I just, I assume everything bad is going to happen and then I'm still somehow despondent when it does. Well, God bless you, John. I do love that about you. Okay, good. Good. Uh, let's now move on to our, I guess, favorite or most common topic. That would be the uh, your local football team, the Minnesota Vikings. Still undefeated. Uh, Stu, do you have any response to my norv sup- I, I i feel weird even saying the word su- slight support little little bit of support i think i caught john so off guard last week that he didn't really know what to do about it i caught myself I off guard i caught myself off guard think thinking <laughs> i backed down on it though in about five seconds after you pointed out we're like second in the league in rushing or whatever that number is uh, no, we're last in the league in rushing. Yeah, no, in attempts. Sorry. In, in attempts. <laughs> Which North was Turner, uh, boy genius has constructed this offense that's designed for running the ball for one yard on first and second down. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I backed down pretty quickly on that, but um, I just wanted to make sure we didn't have any anybody. Nobody had a prepared statement against me. I'm sure Clarence does, but uh, he's not around. It's not so. so much a prepared statement as a angry screed. Yeah, possibly rising to the level of manifesto, mm. <laughs> and you're not ready to publish it yet. Well, it I, I've seen Clarence's first oh, draft his. of this manifesto, and <laughs> it's pretty shocking, even for the internet. <laughs> My struggle too. That's just that seems weird. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I feel weird about it, and I'm sure I I don't think that will go down in history as much as my support for one Andrew Albers years ago. Um, just 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 released, by the way, again. Just released. I did see that. Or left off the 40-man or whatever, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yep. So I don't think it'll be that bad because I did walk it back pretty quickly. But, um, yeah. Okay. Preview time. Vikings, Eagles. The, the, smart, the, the Vegas line is Vikings minus two. I think at the beginning of the season, before anything happened, we would have looked at that line and been like, yeah, that sounds about right. We're probably better than the Eagles, but not by a ton because they're at home, yada, yada, yada. Now, considering they're like the both like top three, I don't know, what are the Eagles considered? Like a top five team in the NFC, right? Still? I mean, they've lost recently a couple games, but still have been pretty impressive. Um, they got slaughtered last week. Mm-hmm. Not slot. They only lost by a touchdown. There was right? a touchdown, John. I thought it was an ugly loss, though. Uh, well, they did. They did. They did lose to a team with a racist name, so that's always an ugly loss, I guess. But uh, yeah, I wish you wouldn't have used that term with their loss. Yeah. Um, Thanks, John. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, they lost by a touchdown, and then they lost by a couple points against the Lions away. So they're three and two, but still probably considered one of the better teams. To me, again, we say this every week, it seems like an easy bet on the Vikings. 
how could this possibly go bad this week? Is it, uh, I know Rand is patrolling the sidelines for the Eagles as their defensive yep. coordinator now. And, and he's actually good at that. That's a job that he's good at. He's actually good at it. That, so got him that head coaching gig in the first place. Yeah, he's a perfect example of the Peter principle. He should be a defensive coordinator, and he gets higher than that, and he's a disaster. Then he goes back to defensive coordinator, and he's great. So he's back mm-hmm. in place there. Uh, I suppose, again, I don't really think it's luck so far this year, but some of the fortune or the the good uh, the good juju that we've had so far in terms of no interceptions, return touchdowns, um, and defensive touchdowns might just all sort of you know, the not work out in our favor this week, yeah. maybe, but I don't think that there, there's any doubt that there are, the bikes are a lot better team. So I don't know. Feeling good. Yeah. I mean, this is, if I've, I, I know very little about the Eagles beyond that. Their quarterback is from Rand's hometown and, uh, Jim Schwartz, who looks like Rand is their defensive coordinator. Um, I would. But, I don't know about you guys, but I'd really like Carson Wentz to fail in this game. Overall, true. Overall, for sure, but especially in this game, for some reason. Have you explained your hatred for Carson Wentz already? I'd, I'd like I, to hear it again. I, I tried to a little bit last week when Stu jumped in and mentioned that small towns are terrible. But... Yes, that's right. The rural uh, elitism. Clarence didn't like that, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that on Twitter. He was not he a fan like of us shitting on the <laughs> I just said they were. There was no moral high ground to be had between. When we said they're not well, better, I, he took that as yes, they are. I think his point is yes, they are. Oh, I think that's, that's his, oh, yeah. that small town John Cougar pink house is bullshit. That's right. Okay. Yep. 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 yep, yep. I was yep. about to ask if Clarence had a reason, and then I remembered who Clarence is. And yep. That's just hilarious that yeah. I thought he might have had a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Okay. I'm so from the smallest town of all four of us, I win. So John, is that true? How big is Hector? One thousand sixty-six. Yeah, you win by a factor of two over me. Yeah, and you had a fucking pizza ranch, dude. We did have a pizza ranch. We were very lucky when so. when you think about it. Yeah. We had a pizza ranch, and then there was Millbank, which had a Hardee's and a Pizza Hut. So. Wow, no wonder everyone went to Millbank. Well, miles away. Yep. <laughs> Just a, the brain drain from Ortonville to Millbank has been yeah. trouble for years. Yeah, need to build that wall. Um, I think the Vikings will lose this week. Mm. I believe that's what I think. That's one of the things that I picked. Um, I'm I'm two and three on my picks right now, so I'm um, I'm feeling my oats a little bit. Oh boy, not bad, too. That is like your but best yeah, performance I, so far. I think so. Um, I think this is a week where they just you know those breaks don't bounce their way. Philadelphia is a decent team, um, clearly flawed, but um. You know, it's a home game for them. It's not a home game for us. I don't know if you saw that or not, but it's an away game. For um, us. Yes. For us, yeah. For us. And it's just, it seems like we're due to have one of those games where, you know, TJ Clemens maybe, will, be, will be starting maybe, again. Well, we Ole, might turn the ball over once. Yeah, exactly. And maybe just, even you know, a blindside sack and, you know, God forbid Bradford gets hurt because then, you know, the whole season is back, you know, crazy. So I... uh I'll predict a seventeen to thirteen loss. Because so I don't think I think the defense will be fine. They're, I don't think Carson Wentz is going to give them anything they can't handle. And before people start um, writing us letters, that thirteen comes from a two touchdowns and a missed extra point. Right, right. Both right. no, defensive touchdowns. 
<laughs> two defensive touchdowns. No, no, I, I, think, I do think there'll be offensive touchdowns. <laughs> um, but I just think this is one of those, I just, one of those things, it's an away game. I just, you know, I just, it's one of those things. I think then, I think the next week they'll just destroy Chicago. Cool be coming off a victory over Green Bay tomorrow night, but that's neither here nor there. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm out over my skis, guys. Bail me out. My here. word. You just okay. Hold hold on a second. Let's you got us losing and you've got the and the Bears winning ne- on tomorrow night, yes. Thursday night. Bears will win tomorrow night. Wow. Vikings will lose on Sunday. Okay. Two, and then the Vikings will destroy the Bears the next It's not week. unlikely. You're all right. I think that's fine. You're not so far over your skis that you're yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Stu, I feel like you would know the answer to this. Is Aaron Rodgers still dating Olivia Munn? Yes, I think they are. I think would it that be is hilarious the in the current Packers climate, where the entire town of morons is turning on? Mm-hmm. Would it be a good trolling move? This is a jump back to the opening question: mm-hmm. to wear an Olivia Munn, Aaron Rodgers jersey mm-hmm. to Lambeau Field, like a Mrs. Munn on the back as for the name or something. Yeah, or even like a per, uh, Vikings jersey with Mrs. Munn on the back. Mm. I feel like you would upset people. Yeah, I feel like some of those idiots in Green Bay would be upset by that. Some Let's light misogyny, I think, yeah. would really get their engines running. Yep. It's a good one. It's a good callback, John. Are you okay. going to do that? <laughs> yes, definitely. I have a lot of time to go to Lambeau Field these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Stu, your 17 to 13 prediction sounds right on the money. I think I'm going to go 24, 20 Eagles. I think you're right. This is, it's about time to have just some shitty, shitty luck. So that's yeah, it just seems like, you know, they're not going to go undefeated. They're not good enough offensively. I think to do that, they're going to, they're good enough to be in every game. I just think this will be a game where the, the luck just isn't there. I don't think it's, and I certainly don't think. Again, unless unless Bradford gets hurt, I just don't think it's even worth panicking about if they lose. I mean, there will be panic because they'll have finally lost, and we'll think, oh, five and eleven. But uh, nope, just think it's a one of those games that they're just not going to have the things fall their way. Do we have any sense of how the Philly fans are going to treat Bradford? Um, I'm sure with thrown batteries. I'm just wondering, like, what poorly. size? I think of... poorly is probably a good, uh, <laughs> good preview of that. I mean, I think the best I, way to I, judge. I, you, Philly... you don't think the the, the average Philadelphia fan is going to remember? Oh, he was actually pretty okay the last half of 2015. Let's politely applaud. Well, I think I, the I can... way to judge Philly fans and, and their their love or hatred is the size of battery. You know, oh. is this a triple A? Is this a double A? Is this like a car battery? Like, where on the <laughs> threshold of absolute hatred uh, are they with Bradford? Because I, I don't think, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not going to be a fun environment for him to play in. I don't know if he is one of those guys who gives a shit or gets affected. I tend to think probably not. But um, I'm just, I think that'll be at least worth watching to see how, exactly how uh, terrible they are to. A guy they probably were mostly ambivalent toward. Although he did request a trade after the draft. That typically does not get in the good graces of of very angry football fans. Like how how dare he not want to be buried in his Philly jersey. So there may be some hatred there because of that. Though that also would require them to read to have under... I don't know. This is a tough one. This is a real... I'm, I'm hemming and hawing here, fellas. 
Help me out. I like that you're trying that you're genuinely considering whether Eagles fans will hate somebody. Of course they will. They're Eagles fans. That's what they do. Yeah. They hate people. But will they hate them enough where it's interesting? It's an interesting subplot as we're watching the game. I think it'll only be like double A batteries that are thrown at him. Nothing nothing larger than a double A. Nothing larger than a double A. Mm. Yeah, I th- I could see a D. I could see a D happening. I mean Yeah. But that's about it. Nothing beyond that. That's that's reserved for such hated figures in Philadelphia as Santa Claus and the Pope. <laughs> Assholes. Yeah, they're bad. John, give me your, your give me your number. Give me your prediction. I'm gonna go. I, I, like you guys, I think this is the time for the momentum to stop a little bit, God just because us. we're all a little too excited. Can we call it a trap game. It's a trap game. Trap game. Thank you. Three for three. I should have, should have mentioned that right away, that this is this is the sport of trap game. Why were we dancing around the term that we all knew? And... We, exactly. 1738. It's the trap game. 1738. I'm going to predict that the final score is 12 to 9. <laughs> okay. Seven field goals. There'll be six missed field goals from both teams combined. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'll just be an absolute nightmare of red zone offense. The Caleb Sturgis Blair Walsh grudge match we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Just a symphony of terrible kicking. <laughs> John, I am, of course, in support. I will lock arms with you anytime you hate somebody and just say, me too. But I have so far this season actually really enjoyed watching uh, the uh, human Ford truck commercial play quarterback because he's has been really good so far. So... That will at least be interesting, another like interesting reason to watch. Not like anybody needs it, but because um, he's been pretty good. So I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing him. But we just, we, uh, the defense has been incredible against quarterbacks. So that again will be, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to the other football team. We will now turn to our college football correspondent john who has prepared a written apology to tracy clays you'll note that last week uh jonathan said that tracy clays would be fired by i think he said by the end half-time. of the weekend yeah he said half by halftime <laughs> still employed and john said if he's not fired by halftime i will uh, prepare write and read a written statement we go to john john take it away hi brandon good to hear from you <laughs> I I do think that there were a couple of interesting things about this game. Obviously, Maryland is a middling football team. The Gophers are also a middling football team. Mm-hmm. So it was now in the 82-team Big Ten. You get a lot of matchups like this between teams that aren't very good and another team that isn't very good. Uh, the final score. Do you know what the final score was, Brandon? I'm just, this is a little quiz here. Oh my God. I was not expecting this 31 to 10, 31 to 10 is correct. Gophers won 31 to 10. And it's interesting. I think it's notable because coming into the game, this is, this is, uh, coming out of a conversation I had with friend of the podcast, Dave, who is sort of, I would call him an expert in the, in the college football fancy stats and stuff like that. Okay, great. The, if you if you looked at the Gopher stats coming into the game, he likes to look at a couple of different stats to get some sense of how things are going. One of them is called success rate, 
which basically measures whether the offense is moving the chains or not. It's basically staying ahead of the sticks. And I, I, I wish that I had the definition in front of me in terms of how many yards you're supposed to gain on first down for it to be a successful play on second down. And so, but if you looked at the Gophers numbers over the season, they were one of the better teams, even in the country and on offense and defense in terms of success rate on offense and then preventing success rate on defense. The difference for the Gophers was that they had almost no big plays on offense and had given up a huge number of big plays on defense. If Dave specifically went through the Penn state game and noted basically Penn state had four good plays the entire game and scored on every one of them. So when you look inside the numbers, the Minnesota Maryland game, very, it was a very even game numerically Minnesota outgained Maryland by 20 yards, uh, three eleven to two ninety one. The teams had the same number of first downs and even their success rate was the same. But the Gophers made the big plays. Uh, Maryland had four turnovers. The Gophers had none. If you look, because of those turnovers, if you look at the Gophers scoring drives, they had a touchdown drive of 18 yards, a touchdown drive of 47 yards. Their average starting field position was like the Gopher 40 or something like that. Basically, they were practically starting in midfield every time. And then they had a 70-yard touchdown run and a pick six when Maryland was trying to score a touchdown. So... You add it all up, it was a very even game, and they weren't that much better than Maryland. It's just the breaks went their way this this week instead of in past weeks where the breaks went against them. And Dave made the point that this has sort of been true all season, that they haven't been that bad, and he doesn't know why I would possibly hate Tracy Clays because the team's been playing sort of fine. And I'm sticking with what I said last week, which is, it just it feels like Tim Brewster is back, and I hate that. I hate that feeling that when the game is close or when something important is about to happen, it'll never work. That was for me. That was the defining feature of the Jerry Kill era was that when the game went to overtime or when it was close at the end, you sort of looked at it and thought the Gophers usually pull these out. I'm I'm real excited about this because the Gophers find a way to win these games. Whereas under Brewster and under Mason, and really the whole entire rest of my life, in any close games, the Gophers will find the stupidest way to blow the game, the most impossible way to blow the game. They will take the game that you think they couldn't possibly lose and come back and lose it. I'll, I'll remind you that of the four worst, the four biggest comebacks in college football history, Glenn Mason was on the losing end of two of those. <laughs> and I don't have to run down. Um, really quick, uh, can I go get a beer? Well, are you still? You still have a little way to go here on the stem. No, I'm good. I'm almost done. Okay, I'm gonna get this. A beer is anyway. the only facts we're gonna have in this whole podcast, so I'm gonna invite you to just sit down and enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> so that that's all. All that I have against Clay's is just knowing that in a close game, Michigan last year, Penn State this year, they're gonna find a way to blow it, and it's gonna be like Tim Brewster's back from the dead, and Glenn Mason is stalking the sidelines with that stupid smirk on his face. Okay, I'm done, Stu. You can come back now. No, he's gone. He wanted you to riff and talk for a little bit longer, so he's not. No, I don't want to talk any longer. But you can't throw it to Stu because he's getting a beer. Okay, so so I want to ask you your your issue with Clay's is not that he's a giant disaster. It's that he just is competent enough to sort of keep him in games, but still not win anything of significance. And if I'm hearing you right, last week was not one of those games. So. 
you're not going to apologize because this is not the issue that you were talking about with craze. So you're, you're backing out of this and you are refusing to, to apologize. I will not apologize. (laughs) Okay. But you will apologize if he wins a big game, but in a close manner. Yeah, if they got executed at the end. If he comes out in the last game of the season and wins, adds a comeback victory with an overtime thrilling win over Wisconsin, I'll take this all back. This is a very specific example of something that needs to happen for you. Well, that's really the only game left on the Gopher schedule that even matters. Okay, because this week they're playing uh, like a club intramural team. This week they're playing a Division three team. Okay. They're playing Rutgers, week after, right? That is right. The state school of New Jersey. Yeah. The week after that, they're playing a team that does not have a head coach. And I think the week after that, they're playing the Hans Van Slutens, which is just, that ought to be one of the, it ought to be unwatchable, I guess is what I'm saying. Yikes. It, Rutgers, though, is the worst game left on the schedule, right? Am I correct in saying that? Rutgers is the worst game left on anyone's schedule. Because they are, I looked up FPI, and they, out of the 108 teams, are like 98th or something. Like, they don't Rutgers get a whole lot worse. would really struggle in Division Two. North Dakota State would steamroll them, right? North Dakota State would murder them. It would be something along the lines of 62 to nothing. So, do can you give me an injury update on Lakeville Tebow? Uh, Lakeville Tebow is back in practice. He's got the pads on, but they're thinking they're going to hold him out this week, if only because they could put a they could put Air Bud at quarterback, like not the movie version, an actual Golden Retriever at quarterback, and they'd still probably win. Okay, and they have their walk on what's his face quarterback. Have, well, he's not a walk-on Ro- anymore. He has a scholarship now. Ro- Rhoda Morgenstern, Mary Richards' best friend. Yes, As many her. people pointed out, the Gopher Center is named Moore and the quarterback is named Rhoda right now, which is delightful for the sort of person who would be delighted <laughs> get by that joke. a reference to a 70s TV <laughs> Basically, show. me and very many old people. That's yep. really it. You and David Brower are all about that joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I had to like, draw, put it on, like, on a whiteboard with a T-chart for Lindsay Gensel because she just... Had never heard of the Mary Tyler Moore show. It's like, don't, and people were actually like, "What? You've never heard of that? Like, why, why would Lindsay know about that? She's like way younger. I mean, why would anybody know about that? I'm old and sad." Listen, here is a picture of Cedar Riverside, which was once thought to be a, a futuristic dream world, and where Mary Tyler Moore theoretically lived. Now I know that seems crazy to you, young people, but hear me out. This actually happened. Yeah, I don't really know what you guys are talking about either. Brandon, you are older than me. <laughs> In age. Oh, old is a state of mind, my dude. Yep. JKL. <laughs> See, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> that was a little Matthew McConaughey for you there. So. Uh, we all have our blind spots, John. I guess mine is Mary Tyler Moore's show. Weirdly, mine is pop culture, except apparently 70s pop culture, which I'm totally up to date on. Yeah, you know, like all the characters of Welcome Back, Cotter, but somehow don't know (laughs) any acronyms at all. (laughs) Uh, All right. I have no other thoughts on gopher football or pigskin in general. Anything else? Acceptable? Acceptable. 
Let's move on. What do we got next? What's on the rundown? Uh, on the rundown, are you? I'm going to ask you, John, first. Are you happy? Are you? Will you be rooting for the Indians in the World Series? Uh, kind of depends on who they play. I think. Okay, so you've got them ranked second, is what you're telling me of the three I think teams. That's right. They oh. are number two on my list. I think probably the Cubs are number one, just because I'm sick of hearing about them. Yep. They will. If they win the World Series, they will immediately rank right up there with Cardinals fans in my book. That just quickly. because I'm, yeah, just because I'm already, I'm already just thinking about the Cubs winning the World Series, and I'm already tired of it. Because the same thing happened with the Red Sox. When the Red Sox won the World Series, I remember America in general being fairly excited, like, oh, good for them, they finally won one. Mm-hmm. And within moments, they were the second most insufferable fan base in baseball. It just, uh, I'm just infuriated about it, even thinking about it now. But I think to be done hearing about the Cubs and to be done with with all of that would be worth it. And for some reason, I I never really thought of them as a hateable team, but I really have found I hate the Dodgers, and I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, because they have a five billion dollar payroll they're, yeah. they're they're basically like the defense department of teams yeah are you they a payroll hater, John? yeah I, I usually am a payroll hater yeah so that it just seems unfair that's what i hate about it well it's it is unfair because not only do they have the highest payroll in the league they also have the smartest front office or one of them like an incredibly smart front office. Okay, I don't think you can look at a baseball team that has a 275 million dollar payroll and be like those guys they're really really smart. Well, guess what? You can be as smart as you want, but if you have all the money in the world to bail yourself out of any stupid decision you make, you don't have to be that smart. Well, I'm not saying that they have made amazing moves i'm saying like the (laughs) resumes of the guys that are in the front office have been really successful at other in other organizations they have like extra doctorates what do they have going for them they they each have like seven or eight uh phds no i i'm honestly being serious here what you just said was their decisions have been wrong but they're the, still the smartest front office in baseball? No, I'm not saying the decisions have been wrong. I'm saying I'm not saying that they're smart just because their team is good. Like I'm not just saying like, well, they're successful, so they must have some really smart people. I'm saying that their their GM is and I don't even want to try to pronounce his name, Farhan Zaidi Zait, whatever. He's a guy that was the assistant GM for the A's for many years and was widely renowned as a as a brilliant guy, a genius and guy who I wanted for a long time to be the Twins GM. Um, and he all of a sudden went to the Dodgers. And they've got a bunch of guys like that, too, that are like these, again, kind of the new age analytic mind people. And it just felt unfair. Like, wait a minute. I thought their strategy was just going to be dumbasses who spend a lot of money. Now they're the smart guys who spend a lot of money. Like they're, I mean, it's sort of similar to how we felt about the Red Sox years ago of like, they're basically the A's plus $100 million um, payroll. So the Dodgers are now the A's plus a $200 million payroll. Very yeah, similar but- points of view. So that to me is like why that you can, I can respect their front office, but also it's not fair. They can make, and I think that the Red Sox are great examples. I don't know if it was Epstein or or some of the other assistant GM guys of like, 
you can be, you can you can understand that uh, there's a there's a, a potential signing for a free agent or a trade that you can make that might not work out, but they have so much more air cover if it doesn't work out where they can overcome it with you know just spending more money somewhere else. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Whereas, like, again, the A's, it had to be so perfect for that to work out because they had, like... 14 million dollars to spend um so they're kind of more in that red Sox um neighborhood of of tons of money and smart well this this still doesn't make any sense to me i'm going to use a reference from our childhood brandon and from when Stu was in college and i'm going to talk about (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to talk about the oregon trail you remember the oregon trail uh, slightly, yes. I mean, right. I, I do. I remember loving at, it. At the, st- at the start of that game, you could pick who you wanted to be. And one of the guys was a banker from Boston. And if you were a banker from Boston, you had enough money to buy everything you could possibly need and then some. You just went through entering, like, 99 for how many you wanted to buy of everything. Sure, I'll buy 99 oxen. What do you care? And then the game would tell you you couldn't buy 99. But the point was, getting to Oregon if you were the banker, was not a big accomplishment. And the game gave you no points for accomplishing it because it wasn't hard. The Dodgers are the banker from Boston. On the other end, you had, I can't even remember what it was, a militia man from Massachusetts or something like that that had no money whatsoever. But if you finish the game with that guy after you basically just walked to Oregon, you didn't even have an oxen. You just had to walk and fight off other raiding parties or whatever along the way. My grasp of the details of the game Oregon Trail is a little sketchy, I think you'll I think you'll note at this point. And getting worse but, as you keep talking. And getting worse the more I talk about it, just like the rest of my opinions on this podcast. <laughs> but that was actually a, a worthwhile thing. What you're saying is that the Dodgers guys are so smart, but also there is no consequence whatsoever to their bad decisions. If they make a wrong signing, if they sign a guy for $150 million and he turns out to suck, mm-hmm. they can just go sign another guy to a $150 million contract and it matters not at all. So I'm going to award them no points for being the bankers from Boston of baseball. I don't think they get that no that's how baseball works. Good. They definitely will this still is- get a ring. <laughs> There's no award ceremony at them. They're like, come on, this was too easy. You guys have to share a ring. We're going to give you one <laughs> ring for every three guys, and you can borrow it on weekends like single dads or something. This is why I hate the Dodgers, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I support that. I totally do. I was not I'm starting to, say to also that. hate you, so. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sick. Um, 
I don't know what I did to get in your bad graces, but I definitely <laughs> deserve it. Um, no, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I think I totally understand why you would not like the Dodgers for that reason, and I'm fine with it. I, I feel like in any other year, I also agree with you that I'm that I am also rooting rooting for the Cubs, and I can't wait to start hating the Cubs. Yeah, that will be fun. It's yeah. very similar to the Golden State uh, situation. They were so awesome and fun, and this Cubs team is kind of pretty, you know, just fun to watch. And in a year, they'll be super annoying. Mm. It's going to be great. Thing. It's yeah. going to be so awesome to hate the Cubs. But I just can't do it right now because I'm so I, – I will not be able to listen to any or read much sports for a long time if the Cubs lose again and just have to hear about them. Like I'm sick of – I'm just sick of hearing about them in general. So I want them to win this year, and then I want to hate their guts. Stuart Brandon, do you have an opinion on Cubs fans overall? I do um, I would just – I, God, I wish we had like any sort of technology because I would have just played the Lee Elia clip from YouTube about Cubs fans. <laughs> Is anyone else familiar with that clip or not? Uh, 85% I'm... of the world were. The other 15% come out here and boom, I bleep, deem. <laughs> it's a playground for these motherfuckers. <laughs> just, he just goes off on the most profane, like, you know, two minute rant that you could possibly ask for. And, uh, yeah, even Jerry Burns was like, tone it down. Oh, yeah, it's a settle, settle down there. Kids could hear this. Bad. But he okay, just... uh, I have pulled up the quote. Okay. And tell me if this is right. <laughs> Fuck those fucking fans who come out here and say they're Cubs fans that are supposed to be behind you, ripping every fucking thing you do. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to shove it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day because they're the real Chicago fucking fans. They can kiss my fucking ass right downtown and print it. They're really, really behind you around here. My fucking ass. What the fuck am I supposed to do? Go out there out there, and let my fucking players get destroyed every day and be quiet about it? For the fucking nickel and dime people who turn up, those motherfuckers don't even work. <laughs> That's why they're out there at the fucking game. They had to go out and get a fucking job and find out what it's like to go out and earn a fucking living. 85% of the fucking world is working. The other 15% come out here. <laughs> fucking flip. <laughs> A fucking playground for the cocksuckers. Rip them motherfuckers. Rip them fucking cocksuckers like the fucking players. <laughs> we got guys bustling their fucking ass, and them fucking people boo. And that's the Cubs? My fucking ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Lee Ely kind of said it like he sort of sounded like, um, if anyone remembers Danny Aiello, the, uh, the late Italian character actor, he was pretty much in that type of accent. And it was it's just, I would encourage our listeners to go to YouTube and just play that. Not at work, oh, or yeah. if at work with headphones on. You know, wearing, but it's, yeah, wearing a lead jersey that Wrigley isn't a bad girl either. <laughs> it's a masterpiece of ranting. Um, I would concur with Stu to go listen to it. I can also recommend just reading it by yourself. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Just <laughs> listening to Brandon read it was cathartic for all of us. You made us have dramatic readings of Coach Rands as a regular feature going forward, I think. I will say next if, week John will do the John will do the Jerry Burns Alfred Anderson one. <laughs> <laughs> Any Bob Stalker's fault. <laughs> I want to hear Stu uh, reenacting the Jim Mora playoffs one. Oh my god, <laughs> that was yeah. so much fun! I really do recommend anybody to just go and and read that for yourself out loud to other people. 
Um, good times. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely read any other dramatic rants anybody has. Um, okay, so so your question, John, was about Cubs fans. I don't know how we can find. I, personally, I don't know how I can find them any more annoying than any other fan. I mean, there's more of them just because they, especially around here, like they were the team that was on WGN and we could actually watch. Same with Braves, right? Right. But I don't know. I, I, I guess I've not gotten any sense of their... But they were uh, on during the day, unlike the Braves. So, I mean, everybody had access to them. Yeah. They were on before your folks got home and you saw, you know, you had their own on the TV. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I've gone to a few Cubs games in my life. That's It's a fine... I don't know. I, I would say... Besides, again, the Packers and Cardinals fans, to me, most of the other ones are basically tied. You know, I used yeah. to hate the Cubs fans for a long time because of what they did to Bartman. But then I realized, like, I'm guessing most fans would probably have been as terrible and irrational because lots of fans are terrible and irrational. So maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe they are worse than others. If anybody has any examples or can can prove or show me or I'll, I'll totally believe that they're worse i just i guess i have never experienced it anything anyone else nope got it nope got got the got the gist so that's playoffs that's playoffs for you john i'm with you cubs then indians then dodgers um but i'm fine I, I there's nobody there's no royals like last year where i was just like please god not this team i will do anything <laughs> to not have this team win it all this is making anything me legitimately this. sad as a person and they fucking yeah so yep all right two more things i want to talk a little bit of nhl and a little bit of dad chat um jonathan can you give me an update on the wild so far uh, they played three games. They won two of them. Thank you. We're done. Now moving. They in. played. <laughs> they played last night, and LA hit the post twenty nine times in the first period. And after that, the Wild actually scored some goals and won six to three. So that was exciting. So, hmm. are they? Are they? Markedly, whatever you're about to they... ask, the answer is it's too early to say. Gotcha. I don't know what you're about to say, but. They look like the exact same team they were last year. Okay, that's exactly what Which, I was going to ask, and I will move on. How about this, John? Yeah. Can you give me an explainer on Phil Kessel? Just the phenomenon of Phil Kessel. I knew him as a pretty good gopher hockey player, and then he just sort of moved into the pros, and I didn't really hear from him much because I don't play it, pay attention to the NHL. He seems to have taken on this sort of beloved mascot type personality within the greater lexicon and i'm wondering how that happened i i'm actually not clear on it myself because the phil kessel i remember is the kid from madison who decided to play for the gophers and was good but sort of had a disappointing gopher career because he was pitched as the savior like he was going to score 73 goals and absolutely dominate college hockey and he was he was fine while he was in college but he wasn't great he wasn't extra special or anything and he also developed a well-earned reputation both during college and later as probably the least well-spoken athlete ever to come out of anywhere if you've ever seen a phil kessel interview he's the most awkward human being you would ever he 
he's he's just like the kid in the corner of your biology class that never talks and smells bad and wears sweatpants. It's just he's he's a painful person to watch him being interviewed, but he seems to be kind of funny on Twitter. And so that seems to be doing things well for people. Okay. So that's really all I got. I mean, I mean, he's been an excellent NHL player. So are you buying into the, is he a beloved person to you nowadays because he's such a goofball? Well, he's a former golfer. So he's as beloved as anybody else. Okay. That's fair. Good explainer, John. I have another explainer request. Okay. You really should. If you actually want things explained, you might want to tell me about them before the podcast so I don't have to just try to wing it. Totally agree. I don't actually want them explained. I do want you to just wing it. All right. Uh, Austin Matthews. Ah, the 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 hero of Toronto, the mayor of Toronto, we'll call the him. Wunderkind. The Wunderkind. The Wunderkind. Okay, so he's a, he's a maple leaf. That's already more yep. than I know about. I knew about him earlier. Yep, he plays in Toronto. Great. Good to know. Okay. Write that down. Just write it down on your card there. Pull. This is me typing. Toronto. Can you hear me? <laughs> Brandon, I, I know our audio isn't that great, and I know our listeners are not very sophisticated, but I'm pretty sure even they can tell the difference between someone typing on a keyboard and somebody pounding their hands on a table. <laughs> typing. <laughs> typing. <laughs> click, click. Brandon, I can see you. You're just air typing now. Typing. <laughs> Okay, so all you're giving me is that he plays hockey. He plays in Toronto. in Toronto. He scored four goals in his first NHL game, and I'm pretty sure that he's about to ascend into heaven with um, Gordy Howe. <laughs> we already did an R.I.P. Gordy episode. I was trying to come up with uh, was I trying to come up with Matt Sundin, maybe Wendell Clark. I was trying to think of former Maple Leaf heroes. There haven't been any. I've never heard of one. They haven't won a Stanley Cup in like 50 years. That's true. Would you save it to the Cubs of the NHL, Stu? I would. I would also. They are the of the original six. They have to be the one with the longest title drought, right? Come on, John. You know the answer Come to on, this. Sport effect. Just sport yeah, effect it. I, Rangers, I'm pretty sure they, they have the longest title drought of anybody in the NHL. Oh, okay. Well, or that's teams that have actually team. won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Okay, so have the so Austin Matthews did he have just one good game or is he the is he the real deal? No, I think he scored a goal in their second game too. Okay, so he's so we're on board. Yeah, he's going to score 155 goals this year. Okay, that's a great. That's uh, we've got that. Let me hold on. I'm typing that down. Yep. Typing. That's me typing. We're all typing. Good. Perfect. We've got you on record now. Okay. Uh, before we move on to dad chat, I ha- I read an interesting article at some point, maybe a couple weeks ago now. It's been a while. By Sean, I believe his na- last name is pronounced Mackindo, Mackindo. John, do you know? Big, I don't. Uh, I would have. I would have accepted either of those answers. Okay, Sean M uh, writes for Vice, and he wrote a what he titled "The Bullshitter's Guide to the NHL." So go look it up if you want to. Which is uh, couldn't possibly be more up my alley because I uh, I like talking sports in general, um, and one of my favorite things personally is sounding as if I know what I'm talking about without actually having to do the work of knowing what I'm talking about. So this was this was meant for me. Yep. So I'm gonna go through the his list really quick, and I'm gonna go quickly because it's hockey. 
And I want you to tell me if he's right and if I should be following this to a T. So the bullshitter's guide to the NHL, number one thing to do, blame Gary Bettman for everything. True? Correct. Okay. So every And I single... want you, make sure you don't just stick the hockey on that. Blame him for literally everything. Okay. The rise of Donald Trump. That was Bettman's Fucking fault. Fucking Bettman. Total Bettman. Classic Is it... Bettman move. So, do, and then do you even need to go into any detail or do people who understand Gary Bettman, if you just go, Bettman, they'll yep. just be like, yeah. Yep. You can blame Bettman for just about anything and get away with it. One outstanding thing about this um, article is that there was a, 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 a link in here about a time in 1988 in a playoff game where um, officials suspended a coach for a game. And the next game, the coach just came out anyway. So the officials were like, well, screw this. We're leaving. We're not going to officiate a game uh, from a guy that we already suspended. So they left. And then some random dudes, like assistant college whatever, were like in the stands. Somehow they got a hold of them, and they came out and officiated a playoff game in like yellow raincoat type things. Actually happened. Yep. Um, I had no idea that to me is fucking incredible. And it's like a perfect sportive moment that I wish I would have been around for. So the link to that video and like the recap of it all is in this bullshitter's guide. Seek it out, please. It's fantastic. Okay. Number two, complain about suspensions. Should I be doing this as well? I don't do much of this because really most of the suspensions are for hits to the head. And if you look at the replays, almost all of them are pretty bad. So I'm going to stick with my original position, which is everybody should be suspended for all time. Okay, so his point was that a lot of them, you're right, are too lenient. So uh, you just well, complain like, that's tough because I want to sound like a tough guy. I want to almost say like none of them should be suspended. That's, you know, but I'm confused. Yeah, most of the time people think that players on other teams should be suspended for longer. I think this was Sean's point was if the guy's not on your team, he should be suspended for like 30 games. Mm-hmm. But if he's on your team, he's just finishing his check. It's it's not a... The point of contact wasn't the head. He shouldn't be suspended at all. This is ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. Fantastic tip. Thank you. That's exactly the type of stuff I was looking for. Number three, hate all the good players. This is a confusing one to me. I did not know that we were supposed to hate all the good players. I knew that yep. a lot of the the my NHL fan friends hated Crosby, and for some reason didn't like Ovechkin either. I wasn't sure what that was all about, but it sounds like this is a sort of universal thing. Why Why would we not uh, lift up our the superstars? Uh, because they're not on your team. Mm, okay, so screw them. <laughs> that seems like an obvious one to me. Yeah, but it just feel like in other sports you can be like, all right, well, I'm rooting against Curry, but he's fucking awesome. There, is there, am I, am I allowed to be like that with Crosby? Well, yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. Oh, okay, because it seems like the guys that I know are like, oh, he's a he's a baby. What so, Crosby like, sucks, dude. He's a baby. Like when you say that you hate Curry, that's my NHL. You know that he's amazing, but don't you kind of like if if one of your buddies was way into Stephen to, to Curry? Mm-hmm. If one if he was way into it, wouldn't you want to take him down just like a little bit of a peg? Just be like, you know, he's not he really doesn't lead a team very well, or just make up some idiotic thing like that. Right. Okay. That's exactly what you're doing with Sidney Crosby. Like, you know, he just 
he really he really he just benefits from being on a line with Malkin. That's really it. So if he wasn't on a line with Malkin, he'd score like fifty. He'd score like he'd have like fifty points in a season. No big deal, et cetera, and so on. Just try to tear him down, even though he's the most amazing player in the league. But you're saying that that's not necessarily unique to hockey. No, I'm saying that's not unique to anything. Right. That's okay. exactly what people like doing. Right, but so that's not really an NHL thing. No, that's human nature. What I'm saying is that humans are bad people. Okay, perfect. Number four, <laughs> claim, and this is going to be very difficult for me because it's one of the things that I stand for the most, uh, claim that everything was better back in the day. I don't know if I can do this, John. Was anything well, better back in the day? <laughs> You kind of just got excited about a 1988 playoff game that was refereed by amateur referees. So, well, I loved it because it was so much worse. That's hilarious. That could never happen. You're already today. sort of on the way. Okay, good, good. I'm getting started. Um, we need clearance here to talk about how things used to be better back in the day. Well, you remember at least a little bit. Was the NHL legitimately better? And if so, what year or time frame was that? I really enjoyed the NHL in the late 80s when every game finished 9-6. to six. Okay. That was super fun. So you love And then scoring. in the 90s basically you were allowed to mug anybody else on the ice and the refs would be like, "Yeah, we probably won't call that." If you go back and watch any clips from like 1994, stuff that gets called a penalty now happens literally every third second throughout the game. Just guys slashing the heck out of each other, tackling people. The number of tackles that weren't called as a penalty in the in the 1990s NHL is absolutely astounding when you go back and look at it now. It's just it's almost infuriating just to be like, what were the refs doing? How how do you not call? It? He grabbed him with both arms and tackled him to the ice. It's three different penalties at once. How did that go uncalled? But that was the way the league was at the time. So nothing was better back then. And back before then, people would not wear helmets on the ice and die and stuff. So it wasn't better back then either. Okay, so you're not able to live up to this one either. No, sorry. Good. Love it. Thank you so much. Uh, the last one is occasionally swear that you're done with being a fan. Do you do that? Well, yeah, I do that halfway through every wild game. So, <laughs> All right, so you win four for five. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good to know. Uh, I think that wraps up our hockey talk for the week. <sighs> this has right? been enjoyable. Okay, good. Last segment is Dad Chat. John, Dad Chat. You're, Let's uh, get Stu in here. Stu has just been sitting quietly and listening to me blather this whole podcast. You clearly I, needed to get some things off your chest, John. He's not our NHL Stu. correspondent. That's not what Stu, you know, it's not his. Stu's ba- Mr. Puck. What are you talking about? Bailiwick. Oh, that's right. You are Mr. Puck. I totally forgot. Sorry, buddy. I am Mr. Puck. I'm Mr. Soccer, too, now that I've gone to a United game. Oh, yeah. You still got me beat. I have not gone to one yet. So you're up. You've been on just one, though, right? Just one. One to nothing. Okay. That's uh, yeah. surmountable. I yes. can surmount it. Uh, well, not in soccer. It's not. That's, that's <laughs> nice. To beat. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Good night, everybody. John, let's hear it. Your child is how old? She is six weeks old. Okay. How are you? How are you doing? Are you sleeping? <laughs> the last couple of nights, we've finally gotten some sleep at our house, and really, what several people have told me, you know, that's the way it was at our house, and then they sort of backslid for a little bit. But I really don't hear anything in the second part of that sentence because right now, I want to believe that this is forever. 
I will never again have to get up in the middle of the night with a baby. That's what I want to believe right mm. now. Hmm. Do you want, just let me, uh, what I'm saying is lie to me right now. Okay. I good. need some lies. Yep. Okay. Six weeks is um, when they always been, start sleeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get eight hours of sleep every night. Yep. Straight through, uninterrupted. They never get sick. Um, it's been so long for me since, again, I'm old. Um, but I recall it being, like, more consistent, like, that four to six month mark, not four to six weeks. And But you'll get, like, outliers. You're, uh, you're like, poll out of Utah that shows Evan McMullen ahead of uh, Hillary and Donald. It'll be that type of you know, thing that's really, is this a thing? Yeah. And then like, you know, the next day four polls will come out and you're up three times in the night because she's fussy and just won't go to sleep and wants a bottle and it's gassy and stuff. So I think <clears throat> you have gotten, you're not quite at cruising altitude yet, but you've made, you've gone through the, the rough liftoff part of the flight. Yeah. Electronic yeah. devices are now able to be used is what you're saying. Yes. But you cannot get up and go to the bathroom and the drink card is not out yet. Gotcha. I think but that yeah, there I mean, I, are they they experts point of view like any baby like under six weeks old like is not supposed to be like living and breathing like you know yep. they are they are incapable of anything whatsoever. So once they hit maybe six weeks or two months is when they sort of become close to human. But I think Stu's right. I would just safely say that the six-month mark is typically when things get a little bit easier because right now it's just going to be, you're right, a rocky, bumpy sleep, no sleep, sleep, no sleep for a little while here. Anybody who under six months old say that their kids sleep through the night is a fucking liar or the luckiest person on the planet and should realize their good fortune. So hopefully you're that latter would be great, but... Um. Yeah, I think six weeks is usually when they're like, "Oh, this is a human being and not an alien." So that's great. And I will can... say the other night we put her in fuzzy footy pajamas, and that made having kids all worthwhile because yeah. that was adorable. Yeah, yeah. There'll be some of those moments. It's pretty great. Um, um, yeah. When you that first night when they sleep and you wake up on your own and not from them crying. That is like winning the Super Bowl. Well, especially if you just... like went to bed at like nine o'clock and you wake up at, or you, you know, you all of a sudden randomly get like nine and a half hours of sleep, yeah. or whatever. You're like, well, I can fucking. You're just exhausted. <laughs> yeah. And you just, yeah. Your body needs that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just, yeah, it was, I mean, and like the, there's like a three seconds of pure panic making sure the baby's okay. <laughs> because it's like, oh my God, why didn't you wake up? And it's just, you know, they, they slept. You finally. will have that panic moment. And, you know, oh, I have panic will happen. I've had nothing but bad panic so far. Oh yeah, yeah. It's oh, just, geez, it's you just learned, you learn to you live with the panic. The panic just becomes a dull ache in the pit of your stomach. But you just <laughs> learned it. It just you, you have it, and you get used to it. The panic becomes a dull ache is the worst of the Everclear albums, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the panic becomes a dull ache might be the show title. I already wrote that down. Um, okay, good. Um, but yeah, I, all I can say is I, you've, you've gotten through the first rough patch. There's still rough patches to go. Um, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm mixing so many metaphors and I've only had a beer and a half. I've also had some beers. Um, the reason I think that it makes sense to mentally prepare for six months is because Mm -hmm. they're typically 
is a lull once the wife goes back to work as well, where it gets harder because you now are completely, you don't have that um, luxury as a dad of like, well, at least she isn't working and doesn't have to be like mentally sound. She's just in survival mode. Those three months or 10 weeks or eight weeks or whatever the wife ends up taking um, are, those are, those are great moments. that should be longer. Um, once that goes away, it gets harder for a little bit until that routine kind of kicks in it. And again, it's six months is very general. I mean, I think Fitz was on a routine by like maybe four months, but Jones was like eight months. So you never really know, but I know that they're just expect the lull there too. Um, you know, they keep getting into more routines, which is great, but they also sleep less as they get older too. So there's that sort of balancing act. Um, my point is keep your guard up. <laughs> keep your guard up, man. Head on a swivel. Expect the worst. Always expect the worst. Well, that's encouraging, Brandon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but then you're surprised when it's not the worst. That's what's amazing about it. You're like, oh my God, I was expecting to get like three and a half hours of sleep and I got like six and a half. This is fucking awesome. You know. I feel like before my daughter was born, Brandon was among the most encouraging parenting voices in my life. And since she was born, he's been just really trying to tell me that things <laughs> could be awful at any second. <laughs> among the least encouraging. I am a full-fledged believer in the ability to mentally set your expectations low. And in that way, you're always... Like you're always prepared for that and everything else is a bonus beyond that. I don't think you should vocalize that very often because you become a pessimist and just a shitty person to be around. But a lot of times people are bummed out about uh, dinner not going great or vacation not being that fun or job not being that great. It's because they were expecting something more. So if you just privately expect things to really, they could potentially be very shitty, maybe, uh, that usually ends up working out. I do that all the time, and I'm like one of the happiest dudes in the whole world. So, does that help at all? Did I did I climb out of my hole, John? So, so your advice is expect nothing and be pleasantly surprised if no one dies. Just keep your guard up and be prepared for terrible things to happen, or not right. terrible things to happen. Be prepared for like, uh, this is going to be a shitty night. It's a baby, you know, whatever. Um. I call it private pessimism, but the private part is very important. Like, just make sure you don't be that person who's always like, this is going to suck. Um, anyway, just one um, point of view. John, I will say after like that six month mark, if you find that you're missing that getting up in the middle of the night, get a dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, our, ours uh, decided that she just needs to get up and pee. Or get let into like our daughter's youngest daughter's bedroom. She shuts the door when she goes to bed, but she likes to crawl to the foot of the bed and sleep there. So she'll just, I'm the lightest sleeper in the house. So she'll just whine right by me in our bedroom um, until I wake up to let her out to pee or open up my daughter's bedroom door. That's uh, every night for like the last, um, about let's say three, four months now. So. So you're basically just the designated door opener in your dog's Yeah, eyes. pretty much. Um, I'm just hey, uh, opposable thumbs. Get in here and do your job. Exactly. <laughs> it's like just like whining, and it's just you know, it's like ah, uh, and it's like just like getting up to get the baby out of the crib and get a bottle warmed up. And it's, just, it's 
literally that level of like you're not even awake while you're doing it. You're just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and that's just that like you just get out there, you put the sports center rerun on, and it's like, oh wait a minute, I don't have to feed the baby. I just have to let the dog out. So it's a little a little quicker at least, but it's roughly the same effect. So if you missed you go to miss that, get a dog. Gotcha. Well. Good I'd love know. a dog. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's, she is my best friend in the whole house, so I, I really shouldn't complain. <laughs> she's the only one who likes me. So uh, the rest of them just tolerate me. She actually likes me because I pick up her shit. But literally, her, I pick up her shit. So pick it up. Yeah. Well, John, any dad, any dad chat questions for us? I uh, I I did have a question for Stu. I. I are the teenage years as bad as everybody says they are? Because um, in my in my quieter moments, in the few quiet moments I have, I remember just, that even when she's out of this, then I have a teenage girl, and everybody jokes have led me to believe that it's going to be terrible. Um, if you're just worried about, uh, you know, you know, just generally the way men treat women overall, then yeah, that's a valid concern. Um, but as far as just uh, raising a child goes, it's just a different set of worries. Instead of, you know, worrying about if they're, de- you know, developing right and, you know, making sure they're healthy, getting their shots. And the, now you're just worried, like, you know, well, is the curfew too early or too late? Is, you know, she driving safe? Is she texting when she's driving? Is, you know, just all myriad other concerns beyond um, what you have to deal with right now. So it's just, you know, you're still absolutely, you know, filled with panic and dread and hope and joy and try to balance those out at the same, you know, at the same time. It's just a different set of concerns is all. So that's, that's, that's really it. It's just a different way of worrying about whether you're fucking up or not. <laughs> that's persistent. Mm-hmm. It's never going to go away and you wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, but nope, that's just, that's just how it is. Good I'm a, just a ray of fucking sunshine, aren't I? <laughs> private pessimism, Stu. Brandon private. says private. Said private. God damn it! Uh, all right, I think that will about do it tonight. Any uh, parting shots? Last words? Okay. Um, let's see. Oh my! My kid got accepted into her first college. Ooh. Which college? Um, Montana State. Interesting choice. You have family there, right? So, um, uh, not anymore. Actually, um, they moved to oh, they a, um, um, outside of Denver. Hmm. Um, but they did live in Bozeman for a while, and that's okay. where, like, she really just likes Bozeman, and so that's that's one option. Although the uh, the uh, there is no tuition reciprocity between Minnesota and Montana, as I found out at the uh, financial aid meeting on Monday. So. <laughs> um. Yeah, so if you guys got a spare thirty-three grand kicking around for the first year, <laughs> John, have you checked school. the uh, sportive account? Have we gotten thirty-three grand in donations recently? We, uh, I'll total it up. I think it might be close to well, Wade. We'll have to, we'll have to tap Wade. I was gonna say. Last I checked, it was under one dollar. So could use some help here, Wade. Wade, is, Wade will start a Kickstarter. Yeah, I think it. I think a GoFundMe is actually better than a Kickstarter for this. But 
Yeah, John. Well, actually. I think if it's a GoFundMe, we don't actually have to come up with any prizes because we're just all too lazy to come up with prizes. Oh, yeah. Are we going to send stuff out to people? No. (laughs) I have a book sitting on my desk that I've been meaning to send to Stu for six months now. At the $10 level, Clarence will send you a tweet personally telling you to fuck off. (laughs) Oh, he'll do it for free. We all know that. He'll do that for free. All right. That's it. Goodbye, everybody. This has been, uh, what, what was this? Oh, the Sports Scab with Daryl and the Chode. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we love you. See you next week. Make America horny again. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.